0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans. This is part two of this week's uh, podcast series of the Romans Empire pod, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Um, So today we actually have a really fun episode. We're going to go over some Chelsea news. Um, We're going to give you an update um, on Callum Hudson-Odoi's injury. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Maurizio Sarri, Ali Giroux, Teo Kovacic. We're going to be giving our picks for PFA Player of the Year and pfa young player of the year and uh we're also going to be looking ahead to the main united match at the weekend so
1: tons of fun stuff well let's get right into it som you want to kick us off what enthusiasm zach that was that inspiring great? that was great <laughs> wow okay yeah i got, it's gonna be hard to follow uh so, this, I don't know, and, and this is such bad news, I can't I can't uh, deliver it with, like, enthusiasm, so. No, 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 uh, just really dross we and, already, uh, and uh, monotone. We, we already talked about this in the first half, but uh, Cho confirms he has ruptured his Achilles. So, I already said that in the first half, but if there's anything else you guys want to add to that, uh, we'll just go quickly through it. Zach?
0: Yeah, I mean, for those that haven't listened to part one yet, um, the, the turnaround for an Achilles rupture, depending on the severity. Um, if it's a partial rupture, it's four to six months recovery. Um, and if it's a, a complete tear, then you're looking somewhere around eight months and hopefully it's a partial tear. We don't necessarily know that for sure. They don't, they haven't put a timetable on it. All we do know is that today, uh, Tuesday uh, is the day we're recording. It's also the day that Cho had his, uh achilles surgery also so it looks like he's really eager to get back out on the pitch he's eager to start the rehabilitation process and just something that i want to mention you know and something i want to ask you guys too because i don't want to keep repeating ourselves you know with the show news and just reminding how bad it is um which one was actually worse for you guys personally because i remember when kurt zuma went down and some might remember this I was absolutely gutted. Like gutted. Zuma was my favorite Chelsea player that year, and he was balling his ass off. And uh, when when he tore his knee up, that was really bad for me. I remember watching that with tears in my eyes. Not much different with Cho. Um, so, guys, uh, where does this rank in terms of like injuries so, for you? For me,
1: like this Cho one is not, it doesn't even compare. Like for Kurt Zuma, he was kind of like a cult a cult hero in a sense yeah. like it wasn't like everyone was in love with him you and you know like a, a group were really gutted like obviously it was upsetting but Cho was is the guy like he, the, the season and the drama attached with him this year and pretty much us begging him to stay and wanting him to stay and you know not just like the fear of having another amazing player leave uh you know like just to see him get hurt like it it and you know just to also know how long it's going to be until he comes back two thirds through uh next season at least it it really that that one was it doesn't even compare
0: i think i think a difficult part about this is that we've been calling for him to be included in the starting 11 or to be moved into the starting 11 pretty much since the new year right
1: and maybe even before that also even now yeah, watch, watch watch. Sorry, try to spin this and say, "See, I was right to never play him." No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think he will. I don't that, think he will. That'll be point. the
2: day that he seals his crucifixion his in the middle of Stanford. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. That's a great Easter reference, Andres. Very nice. <laughs> um, but, that, that's so bad. Um, but you know, like for me, I think the I, I think the most painful part about this is I was really looking forward to seeing him get a full season under his belt. A full season. I mean, minus you know the few games he might get rotated in and out of the, in and out of the squad. But not being able to see a full body of work until the following season, three years from now is gonna be kind of rough.
2: Yeah, that, I, I agree. I, I'm with some here where I think while Zuma's injury was uglier and and harder to see and witness, the thing with with Cho's injury is that it goes beyond Chelsea. This kid is supposed to be part of the golden generation for England. And again, it's, it's so much harder in terms for, and I'm speaking in behalf of Chelsea to find good attacking talent. For some reason we find good center backs. I mean, since yes, Zuma's career took kind of a, a turn after that in terms of his Chelsea progress. But I mean, we've, our defense has been overall pretty strong until recently after that Zuma injury. Yeah. Our, our attack seems to still be the issue. And and that's the thing that, that Cho was bringing in is that clinical finish that you mentioned it that ability to, to create something out of nothing that magic touch, and for us to to have a homegrown Chelsea boy potentially replace, replacing or taking on, on Hazard's role would have been fantastic for the fan base, fantastic yeah. for English football. So I think that it's a it's a tougher headline. <laughs> yeah it's a tougher headline because again you've seen the potential of this generation of England talent Jadon Sancho is about to secure himself a huge move this summer Declan Rice is now one of the top dms in the league yeah Uh, Trent Alexander
0: Arnold one yeah Trent
2: Alexander Arnold and and Juan Bissaka are the two top right back prospects potentially Mm -hmm. worldwide behind Joshua Kivich. so like You have this generation and the fact that Cho was on that list just for playing a few games because he has a tiny, tiny uh, set of career numbers in in first-team football, but he had already made an impact to the point where he was on that list. It is very unfortunate that we have to essentially wait a full year to see him reach that full potential and and confidence in his body again. So it it is very uh, scary to think about. That we we are we're losing our potential solution to the left wing position for so long.
1: Yeah. Um, so let's move on to uh, the Giroud update uh, on, on his contract. So Maurizio Sarri stated that the fall uh, following the, his presser last week, uh, he said that I spoke to the club two days ago and we agreed to exercise the option. So he will remain. Zach, does this mean that he will stay, or like what is what does this mean necessarily? I think the club's hand was
0: kind of forced in this situation because Ali does have a lot of suitors in Europe. I know mm-hmm. that uh Nice has been looking at him, Bordeaux's been linked with him as well. You know, mostly French uh French clubs, but I think it's clear that Drew still has a lot to offer and that he still has a few more years of uh playing at at
1: a high level. You're saying and... you're saying opt in and to, to sell him in his la in that last year. Yes, yeah. Yes. so okay. I I, I think
0: activating is one-year option doesn't necessarily mean he'll stay next year okay, for yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. But but like you said, I think the more important note here is that it means if teams want him, they're going to have to pay us as opposed to him just going off and signing on a free. In terms and that's of just business... business.
1: Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's just like the smart strictly, business thing. For strictly sure.
0: business because I don't think for a second that Chelsea are actually considering bringing him back next year regardless of, you know... How much the fans love him and how much he adores the fans. Like, that's the weird thing. It's very rare you get a a a somebody that comes from, you know, a crosstown rival like Arsenal and becomes so, uh, you know, loved so quickly. Like everybody loves Ali Giroud. I don't think anybody necessarily has a problem with him. And in terms of backup strikers in the Premier League, that's a that's a very viable option, right? And like he he can be a number two on a title contending side i don't think that's far-fetched to say let's not forget this guy started as the number nine for the world cup winning french national team Never so forget. you know any other argument against that is just ridiculous to me but yeah i mean i think it was purely a business move and probably the right move on the club's part
2: uh, definitely the right move you said it if there's any even if you don't plan on keeping him if yeah if there's any way of getting some cash in you you take it especially for a, a player over 30 years old the one thing that benefits Giroud about his, you know, age and whatnot is his style of play. He doesn't need to be the most mobile guy to do what he does best. So, I think for what Chelsea needs going into next season, it'll be very important to keep him. Again, transfer ban pending and, and the, all that. He is really good about working in the wingers into the box. So, I still would want Giroud on. Our side, especially when we play those bottom-tier Premier League sides that are going to sit deep with plenty of defenders, because the only way to get through that line is from quick one-two passing. And Giroud is one of the best players with his back towards goal. So I really hope that we really do plan on keeping him for one more year. And you said it. He seems to be kind of a perfect fit to the squad and, and the club. The fans love him. The players all get along with him well. So I just think he's kind of a good personality to have. He's not going to make a big fuss about uh, getting the minutes. And then worst case scenario, there's January. So
0: well, 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 he did mention something about his playing time and how he was unhappy with the bench roll. But like, I think generally, like I said earlier, I don't think he'll have a problem being a number two, just as long as he's not the number two behind a striker that's completely misfiring in Iguain.
2: Yeah, and, and again, even, even if he starts as a number two, and we're about to get into this next question, if a manager sees that number one's not working play number two and, and Giroud has been a very good performer when called upon. So yeah, he, with our current squad, it wouldn't surprise me. And in my opinion, he should already be the number one. So yeah, I I think that he's comfortable in London. Everything just kind of seems to work out to where it makes sense for him to stay.
1: Going back to that, that, uh, sorry, quote, I'm going to break it down a little bit more. Um, so he he started off by saying I spoke to the club 2 days ago. So I think we can inf- inf- infer that, you know, they consulted each other in a decision pertaining to the future. Okay? So do do you think that there was any discussion in that conversation about Sari's future? Andreas, what do you think?
2: I I don't think that means anything. I think Sorry's future is still very much in a in a very, very thin line as to where whether he's here or he's gone next season. Ah, gosh. I mean Do you think this was even brought up in that conversation? In that no, meeting? not at all. I, yeah. I don't think so. I Sarri yeah. is not gonna try to be like, Oh, am I am I good till next year? He in his mm-hmm. head he deserves to be here and he's the only man for the job and he has a job to do right now and and, and get top four in Europa. So I really don't think Sar is the kind of guy that's going to be like, oh, so next season, like, he's not going to do that. He's still going to be working right on them now. The now. Yeah. yeah, and and he's so stubborn that he probably thinks that nobody can do a better job than him with the, with what's going on in the club and whatnot. So for me, I, I'm not going to get too deep into that. I really do think that the club is going to see its options because the fan base is not too happy the results, people have been arguing, are we getting any better? And we're right about where we were last season, so we haven't moved up. If we don't get Champions League, you better believe that Sarri's on his way back to Italy. Apparently Napoli fans pulled out a sign in their last game saying, bring Sarri back. <laughs> Some I don't Chelsea if, fans
0: offering to pay for the plane tickets. <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't know if Di Laurentis would have the balls to bring him back because of the way it all ended. It's a lot of, but I mean, yeah. there is plenty. There is plenty of Italian sides that are going to want Maurizio Sarri if he becomes available. So, and and we've spoken about this. It's it's more about what he hasn't done now to make us feel secure about the future. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're still in the very middle of it all. But I just don't know if he's going to be the guy that can adapt to a very young, error-prone potential side that we'll be having next season. So that's my worry. I I really don't think right now anybody knows if Sarri's staying, except for maybe Sarri in his own mind.
0: I think uh, I'm not that sure about the top four at this point either, and I'm sure the club hierarchy feels the same, but let's not forget, like, when, when Sari says, we spoke, I spoke to the club, He's not speaking to all the board members. He's speaking to Marina, because let's not forget that Sari was Marina's hire, not Roman's. And this is the interesting thing about this whole situation in general is that normally Roman would identify who he wants to bring in, and Marina would find a way to make that happen. Whereas here, she seemed to kind of convince him that Sari is the right guy for the job. And as of now, it doesn't look like he is. Um, you know, for me, I think he has to win Europa League to keep his job. I think making it to the final and losing, especially if it's to Arsenal, is not going to be good enough because Arsenal was just as bad as we were last year, and, uh, and 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 if we do both make the Europa League final, I think it's a really It's really symbolic, actually, of uh, an on-field representation of how far both teams have come. And when you look at the body of work as a whole, Chelsea has tailed off as the season's gone on, and. Arsenal have always kind of been steady, right? Like, they've been inconsistent, but te- and, and teams have asked a lot of questions about them, but they've proven that they could do some things pretty well. Like, they have two really, really solid strikers that have a great partnership together. I think Lacazette has, like, like 12 assists on the season as their number nine, which is just kind of ridiculous, and his partnership with Aubameyang, like, forget it. If we have to play him in a cup final, I'm going to be so worried, but yeah, I mean going back to the whole sorry thing it's something to keep an eye on I think yes, he has to win Europa League I think anything less than that um is means that you know he's going to be out the door especially with knowing how quick the board's trigger
1: is when firing managers so let's get into the next topic the PFA announced their player of the year uh nominations the nominees are Raheem Sterling Eden Hazard Virgil van Dyke Sergio Aguero, Sadio Mane, and Bernardo Silva. So uh, first, I want to know who your guys' pick uh, for who you – I mean, who would you guys pick? Remember that uh, the award is chosen by fellow players. So imagine you're uh, a player in the Premier League. Andreas, I'll start off with you. Who do you pick as a PFA Player of the Year?
2: Uh, I think that even players – you'd be surprised how, I guess this is a harsh word, but ignorant they can really be. And they're going to narrow this list down to just the Liverpool and Man City players to begin with. I think that it'll be easy to scratch Sadio Mane from this list because people are going to think that's a lot more important. I think the list really just comes down to Virgil van Dijk and Raheem Sterling. Just because they caused the most buzz in the media – Right now, everyone is losing their mind about Van Dyke and how he's the greatest sevener back ever to be in the league and yada, yada, yada. And then on the other end, it's it's obnoxious. And then on the other end, you've got Raheem Sterling, who has had a very strong season. And again, he's always in the media because he's pushing a very positive message in terms of racism. So he's in everyone's mouth. He's in the team that will hopefully win the league. So... I think Raheem Sterling is actually second or third behind Hazard in terms of total goal involvements. I think it's yeah. Hazard Aguero and Raheem Sterling that are the mm-hmm. top three. So for me, because those two are the ones co- causing the most buzz and they're both representing the top two teams, it's going to come down to one or the other. And and that's just my realistic opinion. I, By the way, it with Salah,
1: the uh, Salah and uh, Raheem Sterling – are tied in uh, total goals created.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, to, to, for me, I've seen it in the ballon d'Or voting where it, players have a say and, and you just see them. It's, it's so lazy. And that's why I think it's going to come down to those two players, even though who Zach is going to be speaking about more thoroughly is what I believe should be the most obvious choice just based on facts yeah. to prove to prove his case so zach i'll let you take over from here
0: surprise surprise eden hazard should win pfa player of the year homer <laughs> um, wow,
1: you're such a homer
2: look he he has the most direct this is goal. the biggest shock since the red wedding <laughs> yeah crazy. zach choosing eden hazard crazy so i
0: mean like like you guys said he has the most direct goal involvement i think he's on 29 now and even though chelsea's struggling he's the sole reason why we even have a chance at top four I always make NBA references, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's the other league that I'm like, you know, or the other sport that I'm like, a loyal follower. Of. Our but our
1: listeners should start getting into basketball. It's, honestly, it's, I'm telling you right now, you should, you have to. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, and like, it's
0: it's the same argument with the NBA right now. So like, you have Giannis and you have James Harden. Who's going to be MVP this season? And like, the argument that a lot of the Giannis fans give is, oh, well, look who, look where his team finished. Look where he got his team. That's how you could tell he's more important. If we did not have Eden Hazard, I implore all of our listeners to go look at the form table in 2019 and look at where our form is this season with Eden Hazard contributing those 29 goals, right? Uh, Goals and assists combined. If we did not have him, we would be a bottom half of the table team or maybe fighting like the best of the rest conversation and then like who knows maybe Wolves will be able to like get a Europa League spot. But anyways, that's beside the point. I chose Eden Hazard strictly based off of uh a stats. Now, for those of you that aren't necessarily stat obsessed, but if you want a more realistic winner for the PFA player of the year, it's probably gonna be Raheem Sterling. And uh you know he I think he gets it, especially if City win the title. And to be completely honest guys, if he does win it should we really be mad because he's been absolutely special this season? Mm-hmm. And like, Liverpool's no Liverpool, mad
1: if they, if he wins it. Liverpool's especially mad, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And if, okay, Sam, did you just see that shit? No, what? Dame just hit a game
0: winner from like the fucking like. <laughs> Half court, dude. Uh, god. I just got like no I just
1: got like five way. texts. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Holy wow! Shit. So I'm so happy that you're paying attention while uh, recording. But <laughs> I'll uh, i uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make my point because uh, I think Bernardo Silva should not be on this list. Am I the only one who thinks that? I mean, like I think no, Albimy. No, 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 uh, no, dude. Pierre Emery... I mean. Harry Kane I mean these these guys I think are more deserving like I would never you know I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say publicly that Harry Kane deserves a spot on that because I I would never admit publicly that there's anyone good on uh, Tottenham but I mean I don't know like why Bernardo Silva they just need another Man City player there or what
2: I I honestly thought that Mo Salah got snubbed I think Bernardo Silva has had a fantastic season but again yeah right
1: oh yeah what am I saying Mo Salah too
2: yeah there's I'm not sure, man. I, I think Bernardo has been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I would have Bernardo Silva on any team that I build probably for the next three seasons if I could. But, yeah, I, I think that was kind of an outside shout. I mean, even even someone like Allison deserves a shout because we both we all know who the yeah. group had as a keeper last season compared that's to this season.
0: I, that's what I think of that shout.
2: <laughs> I'm, so,
0: oh, I'm sorry to cut you off, Andres. I'm just like With <laughs> oh, a fart. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because like because okay, I, no way. Allison deserves a shout in this conversation, and like yeah, come on, I, yeah. I I, 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 I have a, been fighting. That, that was definitely no, no, fart worthy. That was fart worthy. I'm. Just it so was fart worthy, but but Sam, I'm not letting you off the hook either. Bernardo Silva deserves to be on this list. Okay. Everybody seems to forget that Man City didn't have Kevin De Bruyne for the first half of the season. Who played in De Bruyne's spot and lived up to, if not exceeded those expectations? Bernardo Silva. Now, if you go pick, if you go to any website and look up his stats and look up his numbers, they're not going to flatter you. They're not going to blow you away. It's it's, It's nothing that you don't expect out of somebody that gets consistent playing time on Manchester City, but think about it. Leroy Sané had his breakout season last year. I think it was like 14 goals, 12 assists total. That's like 26 goal involvements. Bernardo Silva has been playing so well that he has essentially pushed Leroy Sané out of that starting 11, right? So even if he's not starting at center mid, when De Bruyne came back, De Bruyne got his spot back. Rightly so. He's one of the best in the world at it. But he shifted Bernardo Silva out to the left. And Bernardo Silva just has this knack of just picking out brilliant passes. And he's almost like, and, and and people forget that he's also 24 years old. He's super duper young. And he's also nominated for Young Player of the Year. Shocker. But to not include him in this list is just like, I, I think it's almost criminal. And like, if we're going to go based off of stats, then Virgil van Dijk shouldn't be on the list either. And Sadio Mane shouldn't be on the list either. Right? Because there are guys that put up more numbers than them. But you have to look at their actual performances and what they bring to the team. If Man City did not have Bernardo Silva this season and De Bruyne still got hurt, there's no way they're challenging for this title. Like he is a key
2: reason why they're doing that. I, I guess I can give the ca- counter argument that Hyunmin Song should be on this list then for because, sure. without, yeah. because show. without Harry Kane, you would expect Tottenham to be nowhere near where they are right now. And yeah. every time that he gets hurt, Song comes out of nowhere and is a fantastic striker. They're probably going to finish once top three. Again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The fact that they lost, I think they they racked up something like a total of fifteen points in eight games to start this this year, like twenty nineteen, and Son has been able to do this without Harry Kane. Like, I mean, that's similar argument. I just think, I just think that the the other players, it's kind of like what the Premier League table looks like right now. You have a couple of top contenders, and then there's a huge gap for the rest. So it, it is an outside shout. I, I could totally see Bernardo Silva winning something along the lines of Player of the Year or Players Player of the Year for Man City. Don't get me wrong, I, I do understand his impact, but for it to be for him to be the Player of the Year, I, I think he's not quite there.
1: I think, yeah, I think I, I still think it's a joke, Zach. Um, and for and to be fair, I wasn't listening to your rebuttal because I was watching the replay of that Damian Lillard game winner. Wow. That was crazy. But,
0: yeah. Uh... <laughs> High
1: school. Um, uh... <laughs> but okay, okay.
0: Like I, I do want to say one more thing before we okay. move on. Okay. Som you're still wrong. Bernardo Silva deserves to be there. Okay. But I, I want to talk about Sadio Mane and I just want to display my happiness or pleasure of not seeing Mo Salah on this list instead of him. Because I think when you look at so, Liverpool yeah. season as a whole, Mo Salah went through a, what what was that a nine game goal drought mm. and who was the one to pick up the pieces and keep that little run of form going as a team? Sadio Mane. I think and
1: you also if you take Champions League into consideration it's without a oh, question. A, Mane's Omane. a li, listen, Mane's a big
0: game player and I, I
1: mean,
0: will yeah. be I will be shocked to be completely honest. I would actually tip him to leave Liverpool for a bigger club before uh before Mo Salah
2: Because oh, I agree. I agree he I mean he's linked with Real Madrid right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and he's younger than Salah, and I think Sadio Mane is actually a bit more consistent. You know, he, he's he's essentially a center forward playing out on the right wing, uh, or the or the left wing, whatever side he's deployed on. You know, depending on the opponent, whatever. But I just think that he's been absolutely brilliant this season, and like he's that one player on Liverpool's team that I just find it completely impossible to hate because he's just so fun
1: to watch. All right, whatever. I mean. Well, he he's also nominated for PFA uh, Young Player of the Year, that Ooh. that uh, Raheem Sterling. Oh, I'm talking I about. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I meant to say, I meant to say Bernardo Silva. I don't know why I said Raheem Sterling, but yeah, yeah I know. Again, I, I I'm sorry. I was watching the replay of the of the um, Damian Lillard shot. I wasn't listening. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, let's get into the PFA Young Player of the Year. So, I'll read through the nominees real quick. Raheem Sterling. Uh, Bernardo Silva, Declan Rice, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and David Brooks. So, um, who you guys got? Zach, I'll start with you. Um,
0: I don't think it's fair that Raheem Sterling is on the list. um, Why you're not giving it to
1: Bernardo Silva or what? Come on. No, no. Listen,
0: listen, listen. Uh, Both of them actually. I mean, if 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 you want (laughs) if you want me to be completely honest, because David Brooks, they've both played. So or at least Raheem Sterling has played a ridiculous amount of games in the Premier League already at 24. Like it seems like the guy's been around the league for five or six years now. Um, Bernardo Silva looks like he's 32. So it's kind of a, a shocker that he's on this list. Um, but I think the obvious choice here, it, it has to be Declan Rice for me. Um, you know, he's been, he's been really good all season. And it, apparently Chelsea had the opportunity to keep him and we let him go um not sure why <laughs> apparently that happened with uh, killian mbappe too so who knows what's really true and what's not really true but yeah i mean declan rice is is the choice for me um he's too good for west ham and from what we've seen um you know a solid defensive midfielder he's a, a very efficient passer um uh, you know he started to establish himself late in the last late in last season's campaign for west ham as a i think it was a center back right if i'm not mistaken. Um, but then he moved to CDM, and he just looks so good there. And it, it's his natural position, and that's a guy that I think, as Chelsea fans, we have to worry about because if I'm Pep Guardiola, or if actually if I'm if I'm either one of the Manchester clubs, you're in need of a of a defensive midfield player. Right. Who else would you rather look at than Declan Rice? I mean, he just seems like a perfect fit for either of those teams. So if he goes anywhere else in England, I think. The rest of the the rest of uh the Premier League is going to look at that and say shit, we're in trouble now.
2: Yeah, for for me, for one, I can't believe that twenty four year olds can qualify for a Young Player of the Year. I want to know what the cutoff age is for this for this uh, trophy or I think prize I, or I, whatever. I, I
0: think they have to be twenty three when the season starts.
2: Okay, that that yeah. seems that seems about right because under yeah. twenty three is the last kind of youth age group for internationals and all that sort of thing,
1: mm-hmm. but.
2: For me, I think of it this way. I could totally see Virgil van Dijk winning the PFA Player of the Year. So I think that this is going to be Raheem Sterling's consolation prize because we've seen them do this before. I think Hazard won Player of the Year and then Kane won Young Player of the Year, even though Kane was on both lists. So I see it being exactly that, a consolation prize for Raheem Sterling. It's the FA's way of giving both players a individual trophy and pleasing both of their little darlings in terms of city and Liverpool so I think it'll be a completely political choice here and it'll be Raheem Sterling just so that they have a reason to give it to Virgil van Dijk on the other end
0: oh god please no like I know van Dijk hasn't (laughs) been I was trying so hard not to talk about him like he is the best center back in the Premier League I think but there's just so many other factors in that Liverpool side that make them great besides van dyke like don't get me wrong he took him to a completely new level but like yeah i mean you look at the young player of the year list and or the nominees trent alexander arnold has been ridiculous all season and if you want to talk about actual player of the year nominees you might even be able to slip andy robertson into the into the nominees for you know the, the actual pfa player of the year argument because his assist tally as a left back is nuts and we talk, we, you know, we mentioned how good Alexander Arnold and Van Dyke have been all season, but I think Andy Robertson has been like that unsung hero of that Liverpool side, because it, Klopp has proven that he could rotate Trent Alexander Arnold in and out of that side, and they could still be effective and still do their thing, but you never see him rotate um, um, Andy Robertson at all, because what he brings, that work ethic, that pace, the ability to play a uh, uh, the ability to play a pass, provide assists, is just ridiculous. So like you know you have to give credit where credit's due there. But yeah, I mean just hearing Van Dyke's name made me kind of go off on that little tangent there. What about how do we feel about David Brooks? Because he actually lit us up this season. Yeah, he that was me. my
1: shout right there.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's deserving of of being on the list for sure, and, yeah. and I'm sure that he'll be one of the higher names. It's just again these these. Individual trophies for me are just so political yeah. that that I really think he's going to end up at the very bottom uh, of the voting. Declan Rice has been in the limelight recently for choosing England instead of Ireland as the country he wants to represent. We we all agreed that Trent Alexander, Alexander Arnold. I can never say his name completely, but he's up there competing with Kyle Walker to be a starting right back for for the England national team. And, I mean, Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva are are undroppable for City. So, I I think the odds are very much against them. And, again, being a a little bit of a a politics thing, I think the City, one of the two City players will end up getting this trophy.
0: So, who are honorable – or, blah, I can't talk. Who are the honorable mentions? Because I do have to shout him out, and whenever I could squeeze his name in a podcast, I do it. My boy Richarlison. Yeah. I mean, the impact he's had – on that Everton side, um, you know, and and the different style of play that he's had to deal with. So, like, at Watford, he was basically a target man, right? Um, holding up play, bringing his teammates in, um, working, playing just off of Troy Deeney. But then he comes into this Everton side, and he gets pushed out onto the right-hand side, basically a winger. And he's been really good for them and he's proved it. I mean, he scored against us. He had a, did he have two goals? He had a bicycle kick against man United this weekend, mm-hmm. which was a uh, ridiculous, but yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to pick an honorable mention, that would be him. I'm curious to see what you guys think.
2: Oh man, I, I got two. Honestly, I think for one Aaron wan Bissaka for, yeah, that's a good for crystal palace. I think he's been crazy good, but the one that I honestly think has not gotten enough credit is James Madison for Leicester City. He he came in from the championship to to come play for for Leicester. He's only 22, and in his first season with Leicester, he's got seven goals and six assists. So I think that is a fantastic output for a young number ten, especially for you know the teams the team that he's playing with. I think that he's such a big prospect and if he gets the right manager to kind of coach him on decision making he's going to be a a name that the top teams are going to be looking at in the next two seasons so I mean I I mean, you mentioned seven goals six assists
0: and he actually had a long injury layoff too so like you take that into account he's at a ridiculous he has to be at least like a 40 45 million pound player right now even at his age so I'm sorry to cut you off.
1: Yeah, no. I, I was just going to go to another Leicester player uh player, uh Ben Chilwell. I think I think he's he's, he's been really good. Like does he qualify? Yeah, I mean, he's I he, think so. He's 22 years old. Wow. So yeah, he he's young. young. Yeah, I mean, he's I think that on that right side um I mean Leicester like like he he he's been he's um, uh, like they've been really bad. So, um you know, like defensively, I'm saying but he's been he's been really great for them uh on the left side and I think I mean obviously his name is really awesome Chillwell. like he's just a chill <laughs> dude yeah, but he's a chill dude I've seen I've only seen a couple Leicester games and he stood out to me every mm-hmm. single time so I he was Andres' shout.
0: shout for uh for a left back target yeah yep. yeah, yeah that's right that's right yeah, yeah so you don't have to convince him <laughs> and actually you don't you don't have to convince me either I think I think he's a brilliant player he's he's really really good but we were talking about it earlier in the group chat. I think I think Chelsea needs to pursue Lucas Dean, but that's that that's a uh, that's an argument for another day, Andres. I'm giving you credit for that shout, by the
1: way. Don't yeah, think I'm taking great credit memory. For it. Great yeah. memory. Um, um, so let, let, let's let's get into part two, um, the Man United preview. So again, uh, I think I think I'm, I can't remember if you said this in the first part or in the second part, but Man United uh, also plays tomorrow the wednesday um against man city so they're having what what is it f- four days of rest or three days of rest um so th- that that right there is 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 huge for us um but i mean they'll surely they'll be licking their wounds after playing a man city team that's just on on a, on a mission to win the league right now uh they're sitting right now in the sit, uh man united is sitting sixth on the table with 64 points Right now, they've had five consecutive away defeats. Um, They've scored three goals in their last five matches. Uh, Two of them were PKs from Pogba in that that wonderfully unlucky game. Um, So right now, they're the second-worst defense in the top 10 behind Watford, conceding 48 goals so far this season. And they've lost six of the last eight games they've played. So again... All of the, if, if I can summarize all of these stats I just read to you into one word is that they're not trending. That's uh, actually that's that I tried to do it in one word, but that was more like two words. Two. Um So and, uh, something else we haven't won at Old Trafford since the 2012-13 season. Uh, remember that Juan Mata winner in the 87th minute. Um, now he'll be on the other side. Uh, back back under Rafa that was a great great time. Um oh the
0: good god. I it was <laughs> so, is sorry more disliked
1: than Rafa? No way. I don't think so. I don't I don't think so it, either.
2: It's a, oh, it's, it's a it's a
1: different relationship.
2: It's yeah, I think it's totally different, but I mean he is he is a close second.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. So, I mean, so sorry, go ahead. No, no. no I
0: yeah. I mean I mean I I I was just already I was getting a little hot to try but I wanted to jump into Please. what we need to do to win already. Okay, yeah. Um I, I think it's simple. We gotta neutralize uh Paul Pugba. He hasn't been in the best form as of late. I know there's transfer rumors. I know that United has been in terrible form. He doesn't necessarily have uh midfield a consistent midfield partner. He doesn't have anybody that he could rely on um, that plays next to him in the same area of the pitch. Um And he also has misfiring strikers. So, like, I know Martial's coming back from injury. I know Rashford has been out of form. Rashford just doesn't look right at the moment. I think he's – I don't think he's 100%. um, And Lukaku has not been known to be a big game player whatsoever. So – but, yeah, I mean, going back to Pogba, everything goes through him. And if we can stay tight on him and mark him similarly to the way teams mark Jorginho out of matches, I think we'll actually be in for a shout. Um, you know, like I said, his form's not that great. He is very mobile, so you have to think what how could we necessarily neutralize him? We're not gonna put Conte on him. I don't think that Sari is gonna adapt his defensive philosophy to neutralize Pugba, <laughs> but look, if I was a manager, I put four two three one defensive screen right in front of him, don't let him touch the ball, and uh Chelsea will, you know, be in for a shot in this game. Um Andres, what do you think?
2: Uh I think the the biggest opportunity we have to, to kind of oh, man what, just take full advantage of United's weakness is pressing their fullbacks, and it's a two-pronged thing. Their fullbacks have been really, really poor in in ball retention recently, especially Ashley Young, and they don't have that many options to not play him, to be completely mm. honest. You got him, and I think Diego, Diogo Dalot have been the two most recent starters, and I think it's mostly due to injury. So if we can win possession from them quick, your next level of defense is just as bad if you're in front of Lindelof, not Lindelof, I think he's been okay, but if you get to be in front of Smalling and you put pressure in Smalling or even a Phil Jones, that's for any hungry attacking player, that is heaven. So if we can win the ball in their final third, I think that'll put us in a great position to actually get goals. De Gea is in an awful, awful run of form right now. So, yeah, take advantage of it. Push hard and and earn possession as deep into their half as possible and start peppering shots. I don't care where you're from. If you have a direct line of sight to goal, take a shot because right now their back five, six players have all been god-awful.
1: How do you guys think the Man City game will actually affect them? Will, will, will there have an effect? Will, will there be an effect? If City
0: put a smackdown on them, it will. And I actually think City will. Um, Bernardo Silva hat trick um, of Golden Business, <laughs> by the way, just for some. No, but, but but in all seriousness, I know De Bruyne is out for that game. But again, Bernardo Silva going to slot in. He's been brilliant all season. I don't need to blow any more smoke up his ass. But um, look, I United looked awful against Everton. Um, They looked awful in the second leg against Barcelona. Mm -hmm. They haven't looked like themselves in a very – they they haven't looked like themselves since they basically signed Solskjaer as their permanent manager, (laughs) which was way too early and very ill-advised. Again, United's probably the only other massive club in England that is being run by non-footballing people. I mean besides like Sir Alex, of course, but like you know, their actual board and the people that actually pull the trigger on those moves are just – like, like the Woodwards are just god awful. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I, I do think City's going to take it to them. Whether that'll have an impact on them mentally is certain, you know. Um, and e- think about it this way even if they beat City, there or or get some sort of result, steal points away from them. That means that their direct rivals in Liverpool are going to have a a, a clear cut shot at the title. Like basically, they just have to win out and they'll be fine. So, they're in a shit situation either way. And like looking at <laughs> it's it, a lose lose exactly. And like the nice thing is, like you asking me that question as a neutral, basically in that situation, I actually want City to win because I want them to win a title over Liverpool. But like as a semi neutral in that situation, like that's just. You look at United, and that might be the only team in England right now that's just in a shittier position um, than us in terms of where they
2: should be and where they actually are. No, for sure. I, I think United isn't going to get any points out of City tomorrow. Yeah. I think tomorrow gives City a chance to put the pressure back on Liverpool's side because Liverpool has got to act first so much recently and get, getting the results – I feel like they've had the driver's seat, even though they have a game more than City. So tomorrow it kind of balances the scales again, and Pep just got eliminated from the Champions League. These guys are going to be just ready to take them on. They barely could scrape by Tottenham over the, in this past week, I guess. So, yeah, I, I see City coming out and coming out hot. I thought KDB didn't look like himself the last couple of weeks, so it might be a blessing in disguise for them anyway. But yeah, playing a hard derby midweek to then play Chelsea this weekend, which is also a must win. And if and I've been talking about how the fact that we don't control our own destiny, United's even further down the order. So they really need the help. So they're going to be very open to, to counterattacks, very open to to putting pushing too many men forward, even more so than Chelsea could be. So if the city... If the city match isn't the the last bit of straw that broke the camel's back, I think Sunday will be, after Chelsea play them. Okay,
0: and then I oh, was I've, that a oh, was God. that a racist joke, Andres? Because <laughs> <What's that? laughs> I'm Arab. Oh, you had, to, you had to bring up a camel, huh?
1: <laughs>
0: that's hey, not racist. Americans for me, I'm
2: created Arab. that it, saying. You were asking me to be more American earlier, in this podcast, and that fair is that's true. Saying, is that's, like, fair, yeah, that's fair. That's hey, fair. That's great, fair. Wow, great yeah, rebuttal. I'll um, take that. I, I'll, <laughs> One more thing I wanted to say yeah. is I'm not I'm a, there's a few things in football that I have like a very set like this is the way it should be done and that's it for me. Goalkeepers should never take a penalty kick because muscle memory is always telling them to kick the ball high and far. And then the other never sign a caretaking manager <laughs> after a after being on a hot streak of form. Two you are not on. you are not thinking rationally. You are thinking with your heart, not your brain. And now they're done with their honeymoon phase and they haven't won a game. And I think they're like – they've lost six out of the last eight or or something like that, if not worse now with – actually, no, it is six out of the last eight after Everton. So, yeah – pulled the trigger way too quick. United could have set themselves up to get Mauricio Pochettino, who in my opinion is a top three manager in the world this summer. And now they've just kind of put themselves in just as shitty of a position as they were when Mourinho lost his job. I wonder, how, went...
1: I wonder how many times it's actually worked out where like the caretaker became the long-term
2: guy. I mean, no, Just ask Chelsea. We signed Roberto Di Matteo and he was fired by December. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, um, but it did work out. The... <laughs>
2: I think, I think Zidane is the closest thing to it. And, I mean, he sure. earned – he he was given a, a godly squad, so.
0: Yeah. I just think it's funny. Like, Andres, you, you said, like, they – he was uh, – Poch is a top three manager in world football. Listen, Chelsea fans, like, we kind of have to accept that fact. Um, and they could have had him, right? But instead they decided to sign a guy that previously rele- relegated Cardiff. <laughs> uh
2: and, and where, where was he coaching after that? Malmo. He was at in, in somewhere in his home country. I'm oh yeah, sure. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Not Malmo. Sorry, but yeah, that just kind of tells you everything you need to know. Is um,
2: his career win percentage or like win percentage just something like fifty one percent as a manager? I,
0: oh god, nice. that's brilliant. I think there's and two. I think that's there's brilliant
1: for us. <laughs> I think there's two main questions going into this match. Obviously, I mean. Let's say uh, it's not confirmed whether Conte will be playing or not. If he's if he doesn't, who will slot into that position? And then also, who do you start at striker? Given you know, Iguain had that amazing start and his reaction to it. How does sorry handle that? Zach, you want to go first?
0: Ali Giroud is my choice. Uh, my first choice. <laughs> like if I had to pick a striker to start the rest of the season, it would be Giroud. But I actually think Iguain kind of makes sense in this match. And call me crazy, but if we get lucky and Solskjaer decides to go with like any combination of Phil Jones and Chris Smalling, Iguain might find himself a lot of green grass in that penalty area. Um, So I would actually go Iguain in this one. I know it's unpopular. I know I'm going to get absolutely coded for it. But we're going to have possession. We're not going to be necessarily playing on the counter. And let's, you know, I I, I think it'd be the better option because I don't think Pedro's going to start. I think William is. And William is going to position himself a little bit uh, wider than Pedro would. So that'll give Iguain that little space to work in and operate in. Um, so, yeah, I would go with Iguain as striker. And then I would start Kovacic um, if Conte is not available uh, just because, you know, he he offers something defensively that Ross Barkley does it. Um. So yeah,
2: and I I was gonna go Giroud just outright. I I think consistently he's played better. And if one thing that is certain that the city the city the United center backs are gonna be is physical, and they're not the best technically gifted players. Like Smalling is just a big brute. So I don't know how Iguain will will react to that. So I just thought that Giroud would be a better fit there. Yes, we're going to have all the ball. But if we're going to be creating limited chances, because you mentioned it, Willian is most likely starting, which means that usually we create a little bit less because he slows down play a little bit more. I would rather have Giroud there linking up with Hazard and potentially getting one of those one-twos to break past the back four and giving Hazard a, a decent opportunity than, than Iguain trying to, to either do it all himself or do a dummy inside of the six-yard box and not take a shot. So for me, it's Giroud this time around. Dude, this episode oh.
1: this episode has been the fuck what Zach says episode. I've been agreeing <laughs> with everything Basically. that
2: Andreas has been saying
1: and disagreeing with almost everything Zach's been saying.
0: <laughs> I see how it is, guys.
1: Yeah, hey, it just happens that way. I don't know. I think the, 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 the bright ones tend to agree with each other more often and, you know, the other ones. Well, the Go bright and, ones – yeah
0: the, the bright ones actually you know it does include myself, but I am bright, so the bright ones actually forgot to give uh their predictions for the game itself, oh damn got us i'm go I, ahead. I, I i mean i I guess I'll kick it off, um, and you yeah, guys could on, disagree with me afterwards, yeah, um I'm gonna go one no Chelsea and Eden Hazard's gonna score in his last appearance at Old Trafford, oh, in a Chelsea kit at least,
1: <laughs> I disagree. Just as, that's just my take. <laughs> I disagree with what you say. I'm not even gonna make a prediction. I, I don't wanna make a prediction anymore. I I, I will not I, I honestly don't wanna have any expectation going into it because every gimme that it, it 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 seemingly is that is like given to us is not a gimme anymore. And this is this is a far from a gimme game you know i mean may united is still a very talented team they're far more talented than burnley is and mm-hmm. uh so i'm not gonna give I, I refuse to give any more predictions the rest of the season i'm sorry guys i hope i hope you guys are okay with that
2: i really want to jump on that with you too man i feel like the <laughs> can more we just we can just disagree with games, zach
1: yeah we can just it's... disagree with zach and that works No, i think i'm with zach here <laughs> oh. i think we'll, we'll skate by and yeah. I'll, I'll finish okay. this episode by agreeing with zach never i, I never will Sorry. Thank you, Andres. I appreciate it. You can get that. at least one. That's cool. Yeah, I guess.
2: We'll get the three points. We'll so a couple minutes back yeah. I did say I did say that we weren't gonna make top five and I still stand firm by it. So I think we'll get the three points, make it really, really interesting. Wait, you, th- you, mean, but...
1: you mean top four?
2: We'll... Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, you said top five. Sorry.
2: I no, think no, 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 I no. think
1: Man United
2: is United's getting sixth,
1: yeah. Okay, I, and
2: that was part of my prediction. I, I just think we're gonna make it real interesting until the very, very, very end. And I hope Chelsea proves me wrong, just like they've proven me wrong in most of my predictions so far. So, hey, maybe a little reverse psychology both, will come to yeah, our advantage. both your
1: both of your good and bad predictions, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean that does kind of wrap up
0: this uh, part two of this week's podcast series of the Roman Empire podcast, um, and I'm really surprised that we haven't had any Game of Thrones references through both parts. So that's something that uh, we should definitely include next week. Maybe we we'll include I don't it wanna... in the
1: titles. Uh, but it's like some people are a couple days behind. I don't like I don't like spoiling anything. Yeah, but, that's true. But also if fuck the guys who don't watch it like on sunday also
0: yeah so, okay whenever true. you see whenever you like somebody like makes fun of you or gives you a hard time about watching game of thrones like, oh i don't get that hype i don't, fuck off please oh, kindly
1: nice take because
0: yeah like, <laughs> seriously it's the best show in the world if you guys haven't watched it you should watch it game of thrones is almost as good as the roman's empire podcast almost it's almost there
1: <laughs> yeah it's, I would, say a, I would, drama, I would say a little bit more drama. There's a little
0: bit more nudity. But I would like, say, if they you want, I'm sure,
1: yeah. say they have
0: more they time. Yeah, i say they have more actually cuss more than we do. They do cuss more than we do, but <laughs> like they also have nudity. And like I was gonna say before, if 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 that's what our fans want, then Psalm, I think it's time <laughs> that we finally get you in front of a green screen.
1: Hey, again, this wouldn't be the first naked. time. This this wouldn't be the first time I made a video like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. See, he didn't even laugh after. It's probably true. Um, So, yeah, um, this is – like I said, it's the end of the episode, so we actually have to sign out and our listeners actually have to search for Sam's video on Pornhub. Um, So with that being said, keep the blue flag flying high, everybody. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at RomansEmpirePod. Our email is RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. Hit us up. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, Shout out to all of our listeners, all the Romans Empire Ultras. You guys were awesome on Twitter this week. Um, We look forward to speaking with you again by the time the Man United match rolls around. So without further ado, keep the blue flag flying high for the second time.